Good morning, everybody. My name is Spencer Meisner. I'm one of the youth pastors here at Forest Grove Community Church, and also get to serve as young adults pastor. And uh, this morning, I get to share a bit about the Holy Spirit. Um, and the reality is, I'm following some some pretty heavy hitters the last couple of weeks. So uh, two weeks ago, Bruce um, started our our Advent theme off by preaching on listening and paying attention to the prophets. Uh, and last week, James Penner, who is a member of our church and has preached a, a few times here, um, has uh, shared about listening and paying attention to Jesus. And I thought to myself while I was sitting uh, listening to his sermon last week, if it would be appropriate for me to, for this Sunday, to just play his sermon over the sound system again. And whenever he says Jesus, I would just be like, and the Holy Spirit too. Um, but I decided that I probably didn't want to get fired, so I should probably actually create my own sermon for this week. Um, and so to talk about the Holy Spirit, I think it's important to go right back to the beginning to understand why it's actually important for us to listen, why it's important for us to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to go right to the beginning, Genesis 1, the beginning of Scripture. And I just want to read you the first two verses. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving or hovering over the surface of the waters. So as I read this Scripture... And uh, as some, or as people talk to me about the scripture, they, they grab that point and they say, okay, what it says, the Spirit of God was moving or hovering over the waters. Was that the Holy Spirit? Or was that just like God in spirit form? And most of the time I just answer with, sure. Why not? Um, the truth is that we could probably argue back and forth on whether that is the Holy Spirit or whether that's God's Spirit or if there's even a difference but I have a hard time saying that God couldn't do something or didn't do something uh, unless Scripture pretty much specifically tells me otherwise. So I would lean on the side of saying that was the Holy Spirit that was there hovering above the waters as the earth was being created. And actually a few verses later in verse 26 when God is creating humans, we do hear a little bit of, of pluralistic language. So it says this, you know, you, you've heard this before. God says, let us create man in our image. Let us create man in our image. And so he uses plural language, and uh, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but the commentary that I read did say that in Hebrew it's also plural language. So it's not that we've just made it plural. It is plural back to when it was originally written. So we can assume that there was more than just God the Father present at creation, and we know that First John tells us that Jesus was present at creation, so it's probably not a big stretch to say the Holy Spirit was likely also there, that that was probably the Holy Spirit hovering above the waters during the creation of the world, and also present during the creation of, of human beings. Which, if that's the case, that means the Trinity is actually very intrinsically linked and uh, actually a big part of the fabric of this world. Which would be one of the reasons why maybe it's actually important to pay attention and to listen to the Holy Spirit. So what are, what are some other things that we know about the Holy Spirit that would lend to us figuring out why it's important to listen? Um, or it's just even saying, what else do we know about the Spirit that would help us to hear him. Potentially, we know that um, the Spirit speaks in a still, small voice. So there's a story in 1 Kings that you might have, uh, might have heard where God is talking to Elijah, one of his prophets, um, and he tells him to go up on a mountain because he's going to pass by. So we'll read this, this, uh, this passage, these two verses from 1 Kings. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
And the wind was, uh, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And as we continue to read that passage, we know that God spoke to Elijah with this gentle whisper. That the Holy Spirit actually spoke to Elijah with this gentle whisper. So now I think this would be one piece of evidence that would say the Holy Spirit can speak to us in gentle whispers. So God shows up in this moment with incredible power and forces of nature that, you know, only he can create. And yet he's not speaking to Elijah in this massive windstorm or in this massive fire or earthquake. He, he would rather speak to Elijah in this gentle whisper. So that's important for us to know and keep in our minds as we think about how we listen to the Holy Spirit. We also know that the Spirit uh, teaches us and reminds us of Jesus. So as we read in John 14, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I said to you. So he also reminds us of what Jesus has said. And we know based on this, what we read this morning too, that the Holy Spirit was actually the one speaking through the prophets as well. Which means the Holy Spirit also reminds us and confirms these things that the prophets said thousands of years ago. And the things that Jesus said a couple thousand years ago. The Holy Spirit still speaks those same things to us and reminds us of what Jesus said and reminds us of who we are to Jesus. These are a few things that the Holy Spirit does for us and in us that that show this critical role the Holy Spirit actually plays in our lives. Uh, And I want to read something from something called the MB Confession of Faith. So let me explain that a little bit. This is an MB church, a Mennonite Brethren church. We are a part of an international group of Mennonite Brethren churches where we have a family of people who would call themselves Mennonite Brethren. Uh, It's the domination, it's a title, but it also kind of feeds into what we believe. And so the Mennonite Brethren Church of Canada, or the Conference of Churches in Canada, wrote this thing called the Confession of Faith, which is a living document, which means it, it can actually be changed over time with lots of listening and discerning of the Holy Spirit. Um, but it actually speaks to, um, it's almost like a guide for saying, this is what Mennonite Brethren believe about certain things, about God, about the Holy Spirit, about church, about th- their interaction with the rest of the world, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And so they have a part about the Holy Spirit that I want to read this morning because it really helps us put um, a big list in front of us, which I think is actually helpful. So it says this, The Holy Spirit, the Counselor, is the creative power, presence, and wisdom of God. The Spirit convicts people of sin, gives them new life, and guides them into all truth. By the Spirit, believers are baptized into one body. The indwelling Spirit, which means the Spirit living in us, It testifies that they are God's children. It distributes gifts for ministry, empowers for witness, and produces the fruit of righteousness. As comforter, the Holy Spirit helps God's children in their weakness, intercedes for them according to God's will, and assures them of eternal life. So this MB Confession of Faith, you can buy the book pamphlet if you want it. It's also on the Canadian Conference of MB website if you ever want to go and read more about that. Um, but what I think this does for us is kind of gives us this list that is all backed up from Scripture um, that helps us see a snapshot of what the Holy Spirit does for us. So there's a few things in there that I think are important that, that I want to pull out. So it convicts people of sin. So if you have ever had that, like, 
guilty feeling in your heart where you're like, oh, I should have done this differently. The guilt doesn't come from the Holy Spirit, but the reminder that maybe that wasn't the right call, that comes from the Holy Spirit. Where there's some sin in your life or things that you've done wrong where you feel like, okay, I know that wasn't the right call. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and convicting you of this. And there's lots of forgiveness on the other end of that, but it starts with the Holy Spirit showing you maybe where you misstepped. It also gives us new life, guides us to all truth, points us in the right direction where we're supposed to go. It also testifies that we are God's children, which actually gives us a bit of an identity. So if you have chosen to follow Jesus, you have been adopted into this great family of God, and God calls you his child, and the Holy Spirit is here to remind you of that. So God sends the Holy Spirit to you to remind you that you are actually God's children. He distributes gifts for ministry. So we talk about spiritual gifts uh, often in our church, the idea that we are all given some sort of gift or talent that we use to benefit the church to build up the church and encourage the church. Those gifts come from the Holy Spirit. Those talents come from the Holy Spirit. It empowers us for witness. It produces the fruit of righteousness, helps in our weakness. One of my favorites is that it intercedes for us. So when we don't know what to pray, and we, maybe some of us, maybe some of us have been there where we, we don't exactly know what to pray, we just feel like saying, God, help. <laughs> um, the Spirit actually steps in, and intercedes just kind of means like praise on our behalf. So the Spirit steps in and prays to God for you, which I think is pretty great. I, I find that to be one of the greatest things the Holy Spirit does for us. And there's, there's scripture where it talks about how the Spirit groans on our behalf. When we don't know what to pray, the Spirit groans and says, this, this is your, your child, God, your child is crying out to you. It also uh, assures of, us of eternal life. So like I said, if you've chosen to follow uh, Jesus, and you've taken this free gift of eternal life that the Spirit, or that God offers us, um, then the Spirit is there in you to remind you of that and assure you of that eternal life. So as I hold all these things up, I think to myself, boy, the Holy Spirit is worth talking to. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, in my mind, is certainly worth listening to, certainly worth paying attention to. And these are some of the reasons why I think that's important. So my next question becomes, how do we do that? How do we listen? How do we pay attention to the Holy Spirit? And so I've just got a couple ways that I think that, that I personally try and do not, not very well, um, but I think are important to have in front of us as we talk about how we listen to the Holy Spirit. So the first one is this, uh, make time and space. Um, the slides give away the rest of the points, so just ignore them for now. Pretend they're not there. If you have to like put a hand up in front, you can do that, so you just block the rest out. First one is to make time and space. So if we are not going to create time in our lives for the Spirit to speak to us, then it's kind of like you're inviting a friend over to your house, but you lock the front door, right? Where you're like, yeah, yeah, come on over. I've made this great meal. I want to spend time with you. And you lock the front door, and then you're mad at them for not showing up. We have to actually keep that door open. And when we invite the Holy Spirit, we say, yeah, God, I want to hear from you but I'm, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. We actually have to create a space for that to happen. I think that's quite important. We can't just fill our lives with busyness and noise. And actually, we can't even fill our lives with a lot of good things and still expect God to just barge in and the Spirit to just barge in and speak to us. Now, sometimes the Spirit does speak to us in those moments, times when 
Maybe we don't want to hear from God or we don't feel like we have a lot of time. The Spirit still breaks through. But I don't think it's fair to always expect that. I think actually what we're supposed to do is to create time and space for the Spirit to speak to us. There's a cool uh, quote that I was reading from my commentary that says this. There's a mysterious communication of divine knowledge to those who walk in quiet, contemplative fellowship with God. I'll read that again. There is a mysterious communication of divine knowledge to those who walk in quiet, contemplative fellowship with God. If we are quiet and we reflect and we ask God to show up in our lives and we actually make space for it, it says here that there's a, there's a communication of divine knowledge. Spending time with Jesus will allow the Spirit to speak to you, but you have to carve out space in your life to do that. And that might mean sacrificing some things. So for me, for example, I've shared this uh, on other Sundays where I've preached, but one of the times that I like to listen to the Holy Spirit is in the shower. So I'm, I'm by myself, I'm nice and warm and cozy, and I'm not really doing anything else, and I have 10 minutes that I can just put out in front of me and say, okay, Spirit, the floor is yours. <laughs> you know, I don't, it's not like I've like blessed my t- shower tiles or put holy water in my water tank or anything like that. I just say, like, okay, Spirit, I'm, I'm here, I'm by myself, and I want to put myself in a position where I listen to you. And so I do that often, especially on Sunday mornings before I preach, to just say, okay, if there's things i got to add or take away or change, like, here's, here's your time. And I'm not saying, like, if you speak to me outside of this shower, I will not listen, but I am creating the space. I'm inviting the Spirit to say, okay, I'm open right now. If you want to speak to me, great. And I'd like to say that every single time I do this, the Spirit says something awesome to me, and I get this great encouragement, or like I go talk to someone later about it. It doesn't happen like that. But certainly, the door continues to be open, right? I keep opening the door because I want the Spirit to speak to me. And I think there's also something that is, is valuable here, is that we need to wait, as we, as we create space, we need to wait expectantly. We actually have to believe the Holy Spirit's going to show up. Because if we just say, okay, here's my time and space. I'm going to put my half an hour in the morning where I, where I wait for the Holy Spirit. But then you don't really believe he's going to show up and you do other stuff. That's not waiting expectantly. To wait expectantly is to actually believe that when you ask and you open up, that the Spirit will be there and meet you there. And there's a cool story in Luke 2 where there's a man named Simeon who um, actually waited expectantly. Now, this is a story about after he heard the Holy Spirit but he waited expectantly for what was to come next. And uh, this, this story happens a couple weeks after Jesus was born. Um, and I don't know why I find this story so funny, but his parents were taking him to the temple to present him to God. And I'm just like, this is, God, this is your son. And he's like, I know. I don't know why you do this. But there's, it was a Jewish custom, and I don't really understand why it happened, but this is what they did. So I'm going to read this story from Luke 2 uh, as they were on their way to the temple. So there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, so the Savior of the world. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory 
of your people Israel. So we don't know how long um, this man was waiting. We don't know, it doesn't say that he heard this 10 years ago and was waiting, or he heard this two days ago and he was waiting. But we know he was waiting expectantly, and that when Jesus was brought to the temple and he held him in his arms, he said, God, this is what I've been waiting for. You can actually take me home now because I've seen your salvation. The thing that you told me would come before I died, it's here, and now I'm ready. He waited expectantly for this baby, just as we do around Christmas time when we say December 25th, that's Jesus' birthday, great. That's when I'm going to wait expectantly for Jesus to be born in our minds, right? We, we talk about this as a celebration anniversary of Jesus being born. We wait expectantly for this baby, just like this man did. The second thing that I think is important is that we need to be open to different ways of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. So I'm sure that many of us, uh, or, or some of us, if we've, if we've experienced the Holy Spirit speaking to us before, we probably go back to that well over and over again, hoping he speaks to us in the same way. And sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. And I think where we get in trouble is where we limit the Spirit to speak to us in only one way. Because if we believe this is the Spirit of God, we believe it's all-powerful and can do anything. So we have to be okay with the idea that he could actually speak to us in a different way than we're used to. So we're going to talk about a couple of different ways very quickly that I think the Spirit speaks to me, and, and maybe it's the same for you. The first one is what uh, people so affectionately call Holy Spirit guts. I don't know if you've heard this before, um, but I know, I know uh, Chandra talks about it. Uh, the other youth pastor I work with, Maureen, my boss, talks about it as well. The idea that um, it's just that feeling you get where you know that the Spirit is telling you to do something. And I know, typically for me, I know it's the Spirit because it's the opposite of what I want to do. <laughs> and I get this feeling where someone tells me, like, What's, what is your Holy Spirit God telling you right now? And I know it's, it's, it's A when I want to do B. But I know that A is the right option, so I can say, okay, that's probably the Holy Spirit actually talking to me. Now, typically, this comes with people who, you know, if you're kind of in tune with the Spirit or you, you feel like you're close to God, maybe he speaks to you that way, so it kind of becomes second nature a little bit. But it's also worth noting that this is not above testing, right? This is, it's not like we can just say, well, I got a feeling, and so I just did it. Um, with, the whole, with the Holy Spirit guts, if that's what we want to call it, um, there's actually, we need to actually weigh that against Scripture. We can't just rely on feeling for everything. So if the Spirit speaks to you this way, and it's something that's counter to Scripture, counter to the, to the character of God, you might need to reconsider whether or not that was really the Spirit. And it might be worth testing with other people and testing against those things. Um, the way that I find God speaks to me the most is actually through other people. So the story that is most prevalent to me that I, I will always remember is uh, about four years ago, um, I was working at a camp in Kelowna called Green Bay Bible Camp, uh, and I had three friends uh, who I respected greatly come to me on three different days with the same message. So uh, my friend Alistair came to me uh, on day one, and then the next day, uh, Jen, my boss, came to me on day two, and day three, my friend Joel came to me uh, without conferring with each other. They didn't discuss this together, but they all came to me with the exact same message. Why are you not dating Brittany? And so for those of you who are laughing, you probably know I ended up marrying this woman, so I feel like I'm glad the Holy Spirit broke through in that moment. But I, I got this message from all three of them, three different days. They didn't talk about it together, but they all came to me and said, what's the deal? Why are you not dating Brittany? And I was very hesitant at the time. I was coming back to Saskatoon in a couple of weeks to come back and take this job. She was 
working at a church in Kelowna where she was the worship pastor, and I just thought, this is too complicated to work out. And I really, I, many times through that summer, I reached out to God and said, okay, Spirit, if, there, if you want me to do this, you're going to need to show me. And I just, I really never felt like I got that until this moment where the Holy Spirit spoke to me and got my attention through some, some people in my life. And I think that it's valuable for us, especially in times where we are desperate for the Spirit, to actually surround ourselves with wise people who can pray and listen on our behalf. I think that's actually quite important. So if I am desperate for the Spirit, I think it's limiting for me to say, well, God will only speak to me in this moment, right? What's more open and actually I think wise is for me to say, Brady, would you pray for me? Would you listen to the Spirit on my behalf? Because I believe that the Spirit can speak to me through my friend Brady Pleck. I believe that. And so if I was to bring people around me and say, look, I've got this decision that I need to get figured out, or I'm desperate for the Spirit to speak to me, I would love it if these people who are wise and close to me could listen to the Spirit on my behalf. I think that's actually wise, because I've seen the Spirit speak to me through other people before, and I'm sure you have as well. And the Spirit can, can speak to you through Scripture, through reading the Bible, through dreams, through prophecy from other people, through small whispers. There's lots of different ways um, but I also actually also think that the Spirit can speak through reactions, if that makes sense. So one of these stories that I hold on to tightly as well is when I was in grade 12, um, I switched to a Christian high school, so I had, uh, in, in, living in Regina, and so I had all these wise teachers around me who, who cared for me and really wanted the best for me in that, in that moment. And my biology teacher was asking me what I wanted to do with my life, and of course, like most grade 12 students, I said, I have no idea. And he said, you should go to Briarcrest. I said, well, I don't, I don't feel called to Briarcrest. He said, what do you feel called to? I said, nothing. So he said, okay, well, here, here, here's an idea for you. And so I don't remember what his exact words were, but I will always remember this idea that he gave me. He said, sometimes God wants you to actually make the first move. So when you're asking God for direction on a certain decision, maybe he act, sometimes he actually wants you to make the first move. And if doors start opening in front of you and you're feeling peace about that situation, that could be God blessing that decision. And if you make that move and doors start slamming in your face, maybe take that as a sign too, (laughs) that maybe that's not the way you want it to go. But I think that often we can get stuck in a place where we just say, well, I don't feel called to that, or "I, I, I haven't heard from God in that yet. And so we just stay stuck. We just, we don't move. And I think what, what I learned from my biology professor or teacher at this point was that sometimes God wants us to make the first move. And I think we can still hear from the Holy Spirit once we've done that. I think that's important. The third thing is this, that I, I think that we actually need to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that we need to and that we should and that we should often. And so the idea of being filled with the Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to to join my life and fill me up is not a one-time thing. It's not like I I ask that and then I sew my little Holy Spirit badge onto my Christian Boy Scout sash. That's not the end of it. It's not where it ends. It actually needs to be a recurring, continual reliance on the Spirit for the rest of your life. (laughs) And so you actually need to ask the Spirit to fill you and ask God to send the Spirit to fill you often. Because if we're not asking, why would we expect to hear. I think this goes along with asking to hear from the Spirit, right? We have to create space. We have to be open to new ways, but we also just need to ask. 
Because Matthew 7 tells us that, uh, oh, I lost it, but you know the words, right? Um, Ask and you shall receive, knock, the door will be opened to you. There's one I'm missing in there too, but seek and you will find. Thank you. Yes. So we know that that scripture, we just totally know it. All of us have it in our heads at all times. (laughs) Um, we know that that scripture actually points to God saying, or to Jesus saying, like, look, you, if you ask, I will respond. So we need to ask for the Spirit to fill us. That's just the reality of it. That needs to be one of the steps that we take in order to hear, or to listen, and to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Um, the MB Confession of Faith, again, actually says that filling is an obedience to the Spirit of God. That that is actually obedience, to ask to be filled. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to ask to be filled and to hear from the Spirit. So I think we'd be missing a really big opportunity here if we didn't pray. And so um, I'm actually just going to pray for us. And, and also, at some point in the service as well, there will be people up here who are willing to pray for you. Um, and so what I want to pray for is, is, is for us to be filled with the Spirit. I want to pray for us to be able to hear from the Spirit. And if you feel like you need more of that, when there's people up here, willing to pray, just come up and just say, hey, look, I just need more of the Spirit, and they'll pray for you. That's totally, totally good, totally appropriate. They will love that. So that's open to you. So let me pray for us uh, and ask the Spirit to, to be in our lives. So Jesus, thank you for, um, for these words that you've given us, the times that you speak about the Holy Spirit to teach us about the Spirit. Spirit, thank you for, for showing up in our lives and being there when we ask and for being there when we knock. Um, God, I ask that you would send your spirit here and fill all of us, Jesus, with your spirit. And God, as we, as we ask and desire more of the spirit in our lives, spirit, would you speak to us? Spirit, would you show up? Would you be there? Would you be showing us new ways that you want to speak to us? Would you be helping us to create time and space for you to speak to us? And, and spirit, I ask that we'd never stop asking to be filled. Um, God, this is all impossible without you. Jesus, you play an intrinsic role in this spirit. This is all you. So we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus because we can't do this on our own. We can't do this by ourselves. We've tried and we've failed. So Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen.